morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as we recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. Again, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you here this morning. Summer is over. Boo. <laughs> it is what it is, but now we're getting back in the groove of the fall. want to encourage you as you start resetting things and the kids back in school, remember to put God first in your life. Make coming to church a regular part of your experience. Come to church Sunday morning. Come for the Bible study and all the youth programs on Wednesday nights. I promise you, people who do this have much more blessed lives than those who do not. It is just that simple. <clears throat> Life happens on purpose. We live in a world today where everybody thinks it all's accidental. As Dave Ramsey was just saying, you know, about, about planning this stuff. He was a wreck. He lost everything and turned his life around. How did he do it? He was lucky? No. On purpose. You do life on purpose. If you will be intentional in your devotional life, it will turn your life around. And I promise you, one year from today, the people who will be the healthiest, strongest, most blessed people are the people who come to church on Sunday and to church Bible studies on Wednesday nights. There's no question about it. We see it every year. The ones who will struggle the most one year from today will be those who just don't do it. You want to have a good life? You do it on purpose. It's just that simple. Quick update on our uh, campaign for... I've got to hear a stand-up <laughs> <laughs> Wearing from the headphones this morning. What little hair I have stands up. <laughs> Update for what am I talking about? Uh, our Go Beyond campaign. Throw the numbers up there. Somewhere. Someone go beyond and get the numbers to go beyond. There they are. We finally did it. Hallelujah. So praise God. Amen. All right. Also, today is Missions Sunday at the end of the uh, service. We have a special missions offering where we're at so far today. 119 over uh, last year, 93,000. We're slipping a bit. We're running double. Now we're starting to slip. Let's really try and refocus on that. I would love to end this year double what we did last year. This is just extra money you give to do to missions outreaches all over the world. Praise the Lord. Well, today is a special day. Of course, the Packers are starting out. <laughs> Woo Here we go again. <clears throat> but it is 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11, uh, when on that day we were attacked by a lot of crazy people, and the world has been a mess ever since. Uh, about a month ago, I was speaking in, where was I, Kentucky? Is that where we were? And I was speaking to a bunch of pastors, traumatizing them and uh, encouraging them. <laughs> And uh, I met this young man here who uh, just had an amazing story. 
He's a, a, an Arab American who was a Muslim and converted to Christianity and has a dramatic story. And tonight at six o'clock, so we don't do services usually on Sunday night, special service tonight, six o'clock. He's going to show you from the Quran and from their teachings exactly what Islam says. A lot of debate about what they say, what they don't believe. Here's a guy who knows exactly what they believe and will show you very, very clearly. You don't want to miss this. Anyway, I'm so thrilled that he's here. Would you please give a big celebration? Welcome to Hassam Faraj. That was good. Good morning. Hallelujah. Well, here we go. Celebration Church. I like a church called by celebration. I expect a celebration, right? Um, how many of you guys are happy to be here? Okay. Now I want to talk to the people who didn't clap. Because you are my goal today. And today is 9-11. Many, um, many of us remember where we were on 9-11. I know that I was in, um, in homeroom class. And the girl on my right, she looks horrified as the second plane goes in to the second tower. And she says, oh my God, who can do such a thing? And I'm sitting there in homeroom class and I heard it and I put my head down on the desk and I said, oh God. God, please don't let this be another terror attack. And I remember when, in that moment, I thought it's either Osama bin Laden or it's either Saddam Hussein. And we know the history, right? Today I want to talk to you about crisis moments. What do you do, church, when you experience a crisis? My personal crisis began in 1997 when my father took the whole family to Jerusalem to teach us and to indoctrinate us more of Islam. People ask me all the time, hey, were, were, was it a culture shock? Was it, was it, was it different? And sure, it was different, obviously, the culture is different, but it was not culture shock because in America, when I was born in 1984, all throughout my, 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 my whole elementary life, I was not an American. I was a Muslim living in America. Now, before you get offended, before we get offended, listen to me. Here's why. Because my culture and the Jewish culture is a Semitic culture. It's a tribal Semitic culture. So who you are depends on not where your surroundings are, but it's who you are on the inside. Somebody say, come on. I mean, if you're, if, what's on the inside is what matters. And that's why we need to know, that's why the scripture says, above all things, guard this. Because this is what matters. We're talking about crisis. You know, when I went to Jerusalem with the family and I, and I was memorizing the scripture or the, the, the text and I was memorizing what, what Muhammad said and all these things, I actually thought I would find God. You ever met a sore loser? <laughs> I was a sore loser. You know why? Because I wanted, I wanted to be happy. It's simple. You know, I call it the spiritual checklist. Everyone has a checklist. You go to the, to the temple or to the mosque or to the synagogue or to, to wherever you go. You read your book and you fast and pray. Those are the, those are the basics, is it not? But I am, I am horrified this morning because there are 1.6 billion people facing towards the east and they're all claiming the name of Allah, and there is, there is crickets at the end of that prayer. 
I tell my Muslim friends all the time, if you want to know the test of a true, um, the test of a true religion or a true God, does he answer your prayers? It's that simple. Now, I started to ask, as I, as I started to question myself I, uh, and question the religion, I started to, I found out really quick that the right people will get really mad if you ask the right questions. And so I, not, I, you know, I have no problem telling you I am not a, a hero, so I hid it inside of my heart. I kept it, I pondered all of these things, and this thing became a crisis. It was when that, that the secure foundation I was standing on began to feel like sinking sand. Have you ever experienced that moment that you cannot run from it? It's the end of the rope. You can't go to sleep because of it. You lose your appetite because of it. You're looking and smiling on the outside, but on the inside you are horrified. You know what this is, ladies and gentlemen? This is a crisis. And it seems like since 9-11, truly, the, the, the world has been up and, and uh, in, in a chaotic situation, but the truth at the end of the day is that Jesus is still on the throne. He is not panicked. He is not, he's not wondering about Hillary's foreign policy or about Trump's foreign policy. Jesus is sitting on the throne. He has a plan for the world. And you know what his plan is? You're going to be surprised. His plan is you and me. Amen. I remember uh, one day, about a year and a half into this crisis in my life, a, a lady with big blonde hair and just really, really white skin, she comes up to the, uh, <laughs> some of you guys are like, yeah, yeah, she was American. Uh, <laughs> She comes up to, to our apartment, and my father had built a five-story building there to, for rent's sake, and so she knocked on the door. She said, hey, y'all, we heard you had an apartment. We need a place to stay. My father, being a good businessman, said, welcome, give us the rent, and you're, you're, you're in. And so my father takes me halfway around the world to teach me Islam, and then my father takes the missionaries halfway around the world to my daddy's second floor. Hello? If it wasn't so horrifyingly scary, I'd laugh about it. <laughs> but I found out really fast that Jesus is really passionate. Did you know that? Jesus, he's really passionate. He's passionate about you. He's passionate about me. And yes, he's even passionate about the Middle East. And I know we have Middle East fatigue, the war and all these things. But church, it is imperative that you do not give up. We are the church. We will always be the church. Politics or no politics. Uh, Trump or no Trump. Hillary or no Hillary. The church will be the church today, tomorrow, and forever. And I am bold. And listen, I am bold and bold. And, and I get more bold about this because nowhere in the world... Do I see the people being blessed except through the church? I'll tell you what I mean. Amen. Come on. I wasn't going to do this, but show, can, can I see the picture of, um, let, let's start with the picture after the burning Bible. We're talking about crisis moments and how in the, in the moment of a crisis, the true guts, the true, what, what's on the inside, if it's not substantial, it will, it will fade, it will implode on itself. Many of you recall when ISIS, about a year and a half ago, um, made its debut into the world. 
I knew I had to take my cameras to, to Iraq because now the radical Islam conversation was about to come to America. I had started this conversation 16 years ago because I, when I converted, my, I knew not to tell my family until I was safe and until I was back in America. The war happened, we came back to America. A year and a half later, I graduated high school and I left home in the name of college and I was three hours away from home. And my father calls and he realized he doesn't have the control over me anymore. And he said, you have to come home. I said, why do I have to come home? He said, because this, he, he just, he was, a control, he was controlling. He said, come home, work in the family business, be like us. I said, dad, I can, this was honestly the first time I ever consciously disobeyed my father I, and, and spoke back to him. Because in my culture, you don't do that. <laughs> real quick, real fast. <laughs> Anyways, so... <laughs> And we don't get offended either when that, but <laughs> so, so where, where was I? I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So crisis moments. Somebody help me. What, what was I saying? I literally lost my. Come home. And for the first time that I am aware, I disobeyed and spoke back to my dad. And then, you know, when you get cussed out real uh, poetically, where it's like, Wow. That was creative. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. And he said, at the end of it, he said, you have 12 hours to come home. If you're not home in 12 hours, don't ever look back. And do you know, I had three hours to decide. Because I was a minor, I was 17, he could have called the police, he could have done anything. So I got on a Greyhound and I went north to Birmingham. And 12 hours later, I was not in my daddy's home, I was in Birmingham, Alabama. And that's when the rubber meets the road. This, this guy right here wanted to run from everything that was Arabic. I wanted to change my name. I, 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 was, I hit identity crisis. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you as an Arab American, the Arabs and the Muslims in America need some grace. Here's why. Because these 2% of the terrorists who are making so much noise, they are the ones who are actually manifesting these verses. So our peace-loving, beautiful neighbors who, who, who sing the Star Spangled Banner and say the national anthem, they are not our enemies. I'll tell you who is the enemy. The enemy is Satan, who produces these ideas and says, kill in the name of God. Now you say, Hazm, you're being dramatic. Okay, let me, let me read to you real quick. This is on page 114 of my book, Muhammad, Jesus, and Me. In 2012, I wrote this book, and I, I, I didn't want to include the information about Islam because I was too afraid, to be honest. I thought if I cram one chapter in between all of it, it's less likely to get noticed by the Muslim community. And what I didn't know is that the Lord is just incredibly good and generous, and this book has gone all around the world, and I survived. Can you believe it? Yes. What if on some dark night, somebody decided to carry out the Qur'an's command against ex-Muslims and infidels? If they forsake you, pursue them and kill them. This is what Muhammad said. For an ex-Muslim, Jesus' words, when he said there will come a day they will try to kill you and think they are doing God's service, those words for people like me and people who, 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 who are apostates, those words are real, they are tangible. Jesus' words 
of course, they're not just for ex-Muslims, but for the whole body of Christ. Now, in the freedom of the USA and most of the modern Western world, the sword of Islam has been sheathed in the language of human rights and protections, but in the Middle East, this sword is easily and regularly unsheathed. I'm about to cry. It strikes quickly and mercilessly. Once every five minutes is a conservative estimate. You see, when you're, when you're an ex-Muslim, those words that, that, that they will try to kill you and think they are doing God's service, those are Jesus' red, red letters. They quickly jump off the pages of John's gospel with an eerie familiarity. You see, I had heard those words before, but I heard them from the other side of the sword. And I know in, in, in America it's popular and it's cool and it's all these things, it's taboo to, to, to criticize ideas that are Islamic, but the truth is I will never stop doing it because this is the solution to everything chaotic regarding radical Islam. I believe that it's my assignment and it's my duty to bring the truth about this ideology to America. You see, it's very confusing when you, have, when you have your politicians and your celebrities becoming theologians. I don't understand how Rosie O'Donnell became a theologian. I don't get it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's true. This picture I would like to show you, the guy in the middle, he said to me, he said, Hazen, when they came, they put all the men in one, in one section, they put all the, all the women in another section, they, they separated the women from women and girls, if you know what I mean and that determines their price. These women are slaves. They took the, the bunch where, where the men, they threw them in the pit and they started opening fire. He said, I was one of 30 people, I survived. I acted dead and I, I fled. Go to the next picture, please. We're talking about crisis moments. What do you do in a crisis church? What do you do when the promises of God feel like lies? Come on, can we be real? What do we do when the prophecy that you got years ago seems like it's dead and not living? I'll tell you what to do. You stay, found, you stay firm in your belief and you get tenacious. You get tenacious. This lady, she said to me, she said, she's a hazm. They came and, and, and my, my job was to take care of the kids of the slave women. So when a mother gets sold into slavery, the kid is babysat by her. She tried to flee, they, they burned her, uh, her face. And by the way, if you, oh, I should have said this, is, is this showing online? It, it is? It is, the pictures too? Okay. Um, all right, so, uh, go, to the, go to the picture of the tent, please. Many of you may, may recall this photo. Um, Roma, uh, Roma Downey tweeted it and it went viral. This, was the, this is a picture from this moment right here. As you can see, Jesus is the light of, this is tent number 68 in, in the camp. And from this place, ISIS is about 15 minutes away trying to come in and take over. This is, the, I believe, the second largest city in, in Iraq. Can you believe the, the audacity? Can you believe the audacity See, the people in these tents, they had fled all over Iraq thinking the government, the people, the world are going to come, but they, they never, they, we never showed up. And so on that, on that tent, they said, we're done running. And if you don't see it, but in all of, in pictures on the tents around, all of those tents have the cross. And it's a public declaration that if ISIS makes it in, you're just going to have to kill us because we're done running and it ain't, it, we ain't running anymore. Oh, 9-11 substance. 
9-11, an event that will change the world forever. Why do terrorists have to have that faith and audacity? Why cannot we, the church of Jesus, with that same boldness and that same, oh, I'm not, I'm preaching to myself. I'm not preaching, I promise you. I'm, 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 I'm frustrated with even myself. Because more people, more people are being seduced into this in the West. And more people are being killed in the East. And the only way we're going to deal with this is if people like me, honest, confident people, look into the cameras and say, we're being taught the wrong thing. And let me tell you what Muhammad said. I promise you, you want to be here tonight at 6 p.m. You want to be here tonight at 6 p.m. because in one hour, I'm going to empower you to know when the news is lying to you, when Rosie O'Donnell is lying to you, and then when all of the others are lying to you. We'll end the conversation once and for all. It, what is Islam, peace or not? We'll, we're going to find out tonight. But until then, if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 21. Are y'all good? I want to ask you a question right before we get to this. Do you remember that feeling you felt on 9-11? Do you remember how horrifying it was? Do you know on 9-11, I felt it was so traumatic for me, I thought, I don't think we'll, we'll get through this one. And I was driving, uh, coming here this morning, I was thinking, Lord, thank you. Because this is the gospel. This is the gospel. When, when your brothers and sisters are looking down the guns of barrels because of their faith, I need you to know and I want you to know that that same gospel substance is boiling right now in your heart. And I don't know if the day is coming in America where you'll have to look down the barrel of a gun. I don't think so. I hope not. But I will tell you this. Be encouraged. Because even though it's a far-fetched thought, even though fear might be gripping you and you may, Lord, where? You ever prayed like this? Lord, help. Lord, even though life feels like that, you're still on course if you follow the Lord in here. Matthew, Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples, he said, don't go there, I'll just, I'll just talk about it. He says, who do men say that I am? And, and then the scripture said, and they responded saying, Lord, some say you're like John the Baptist, you, you have compassion like, like, like Jeremiah, you weep a lot, you have authority like John the Baptist, and Lord, you're like Elijah because you do miracles, and then I love what he said. He says, but who do you say that I am? Not who does Obama say that I am. Not who does Bush say that I am, because I have a bone to pick with Bush too, because on 919, my president got on, the, on the, and said, Islam has been hijacked. And that created the narrative for all of this PC, and it came from the Republicans. Come on, somebody. The good news is this. We made it, church. 15 years later, we are still here and we are still growing. It's Mission Sunday. I want to I wanna show you what your mission work is doing. You, you want to know what... Oh, God. <sighs> you got that, right? You got that. Okay. That's when, when I'm, I'm just tired of trying to express myself. I just do that. <laughs> Because I don't know how, I don't have the words to express it. When the man comes up to me and, the, and the, 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 the sister, the nun, and says, I need a blanket for my baby. She gets cold at night. And supposedly the United Nations and all these people have sent all this money. And then when you're there, they say, oh, I'm sorry. We have nothing. That's a problem. 
You know, when I say I believe that the local church is the hope of the world, the truth is I believe the local church is the hope of the world. You want to know why? It's because hell and high water, we still go. You know what? I'm an ex-Muslim. Listen, church. I'm an ex-Muslim. The priest told my brother, kill him three times. And ISIS makes its debut, and I hear that voice on the inside say, Go where? Go to Iraq. Go to ground zero. And just shower the people with good stuff, goodness. Don't, don't, don't preach to them, be their friends. ISIS destroyed the school, rebuild it. ISIS demolished the church, help them rebuild it. Oh, they're not believers, okay, L- love them like Jesus and still let them come to the school. We are the body of Christ and don't let anybody lie to you. I don't care. I, listen, I, I'm all for the elections, but I promise you that I promise you. I prom- I, there's no way I could validate this, but it's my opinion. I feel that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from America is doing much more to spare and to save the church in the Middle East than anybody else. And this is why I'm here in America trying to raise awareness and telling us, our community, the American community, wake up! Oh, I remember when I, when I went to the church, the guy, I, I, the missionaries, I, I stood outside, they said, Hazm, do you want to go with us to McDonald's? At that time, it would have been three years, I hadn't had a Big Mac, true story. So I said, sure. I'll take the Big Mac. They said, we're going to church before, but you, I said, I'll take the Big Mac. Don't, don't, never mind Jesus. And so I went with them. They were inside singing much like we were today. And I, I thought, you know, a car passed by outside and I felt like, what would happen if my father saw me standing outside this church looking in? So I thought it was safer to go inside. And I did. And there I saw more happy people. And I was confronted again. And I went downstairs into that church and I faced towards the east. east. And this was the last prayer as a Muslim that I had prayed. And it looked a little like this. I was on my, on my knees. I looked up to heaven and I said, oh God, oh, who are you? You ever prayed like that? Come on, somebody. You ever prayed, Lord, help. I'm up for grabs. Hello. That was me. That was me. And I, I, I in the church, begging the God of Muhammad to respond. And I looked up, I said, I said, oh, I hope that Muhammad was true. I hope that this was all real. I'm not ready for that battle. You ever been, you ever been signed up for a fight you didn't want to sign up for? And I got up and I said, but if you are Jesus, if you are who these happy infidels, true, true story, if you are who these happy infidels are worshiping, and if, it, if you are alive, I'm about to find you. And this sore loser got up, went to the back of the pew, back of the church, and I, for the first time, saw that Christians were receiving inspiration at the end of their checklist, and for the first time, it was okay. I, I said to the missionaries, I said, guys, this is after a, a, lot, of, a lot of conversations, I said, I think I want to become a, a, a follower of Jesus. He said, Hazem will help you, but you have to promise not to tell a soul. And I looked at him with all the confidence and machismo that I could, and I said, you better not worry about that. Trust me, I ain't telling anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I have to survive, you know what I'm saying? I ain't no hero, but we're gonna try to change the world. John chapter 21. Matthew 16, Peter has this epic revelation. 
And it was none other than Peter. I like Peter because he reminds me of me. You ever, he was the guy in class that would ask the dumb questions. <laughs> he was the guy in church who, who, <laughs> who wasn't paying attention and would ask, you know, he was the guy who didn't, didn't care to be out there. So when Peter said, you are the Lord, you are the Messiah, what he was saying is this. He was, listen church, when, when Matthew 16 happened, it was, it, was, it was thousands of years of prophecy meeting human destiny. And it came through Peter. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this Petros, upon this mountainous revelation, I will build my church. And what was that revelation? It was that Jesus was the Messiah, yes, but he's also the Son of God. That, those are fighting words in the Jewish and the Arab culture. So what does the bishop of the church do? He goes fishing. Why? Because Peter's being real. My master got crucified. I'm trying to figure out if this, what I'm seeing is, is my mind. Or Can you imagine what, he, what, what, what were they going through? Asking Jesus, Lord, when will you restore the, the, the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus looks at them and says, it's not, about, it's not even about that, guys. It, nobody knows the hour or the time. And they look at that. And he's being crucified? This is the prophecy? Okay. Because I'm like Peter, I look at that story and I feel, I feel encouraged because Peter, Jesus asked Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than the things that you know? Do you love me more than your culture? Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than your feelings? Do you love me more than that relationship? Do you love me more than the bills? Do you love me more than the anxiety? Do you love me more than the fear? Do you love me? And I love Peter's response. He says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. He does it three times. But here's what you don't know. In the, in the original language, in the Greek, Jesus says to him, Peter, do you agape me? Is your love for me complete? And Peter looks at Jesus and says, Lord, I'm not agape loving you, but I at least phileo love you. This is where we get the word Philadelphia from, the city of brotherly love. Lord, I'm not completely in love with you, but I love you like a brother, not like my master, not like my Lord. And what would, you what would you have done if you were Jesus? I would have said, okay, go back to Bible school. But no, Jesus says to Peter, despite all of this, feed my sheep. We sang this morning about no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I'm gonna show you what that means. You wanna know what that means? Here's what that means. Show me the photo of the rubble, please. I show this photo where I go because I believe it's symbolic of where we are, of, 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 of anybody, me personally. There's a picture, you'll see it right now. It's all of, yeah, right there. You wanna know what ISIS does? That's a full-fledged church reduced to rubble. And there you see the man. This was his 9-11. He goes and grabs out of the rubble the cross. And there is no church there. There's only rubble. There's only destruction. There's only disaster. And he finds the highest point on there. And he places the church, the cross where it belongs. 
So here's what I'm offering you, church. I'm offering those who didn't clap today that you can go through a 9-11 crisis and you can lose everything that you ever thought was dear to you. Oh, and you will survive. You will survive. You will survive. So you who came here thinking this is it, I have a word for you. You're not allowed to quit. You are not allowed to quit. You wanna say, I don't have the grace for that? I tell you how to do it. You say, Jesus. In fact, all of us together, let's do it right now. Everywhere, even in the campuses. Just say, pray with me. Just, Lord, make me a firebrand. Make me, Lord, a tool for your glory, God. Make me on fire in love with God and with people. And Lord, have your way in my heart. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, church.